Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the seventh episode of our podcast, The Buffett Bunch. I'm your host, Hector. I'm your host, Emily. I'm your host, Ari. And I'm your host, Brian. And today, we'll be talking about societal impact, a term that has been growing in importance in both the corporate and the student world. So we'll begin by discussing what social impact means. I'll bring that to you, Emily. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian, for leading us in. Now, what does social impact exactly mean? Social impact can be defined as the net effect of an activity on a community and the well-being of individuals and families. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Investors are increasingly applying these non-financial factors as a part of their process um, to identify material risks and growth opportunities. But before we talk a little bit more about social impact and its impact to our community, I think it's great if we define the terms exactly. So according to CFA Institute, it states that environmental um, within the ESG has to do with the organization's impact on the planet. Um, Social has to do with organization's impact impact on people, including staff and customers, as well as our community in general. And governance has to do with how our organization is governed. Is it governed transparently, etc. But I think it's great if we kind of apply this ESG to capitalism a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about capitalism. Ari, what do you think of our capitalistic society right now? I think that's a really interesting question because capitalism puts the world in a really Uh, interesting position because the fundamental purpose of capitalism is that corporations function without too much influence from the government. This foundation poses a problem to environmental friendly initiatives because no large corporations will be willingly able to adopt environmental friendly policies if that means they're going to make less money. So under capitalism, government won't be able to enforce such policy and standards that will push more sustainable initiatives. However, because no country is fully capitalist, Governments still have power to a certain extent, so it really depends on how the government of these individual countries function. I actually totally agree with you, but like one point I would say I kind of disagree with you on is the fact that I think right now, um, because we're kind of in our Generation Z, right, we're more talkative about the planet, our environment, and how we can proceed forward, right? Because whether or not we have money, if our earth is kind of deteriorating, we're not going to be able to live anymore. So I think that more and more companies are actually taking the initiative without any incentive financially or from government or not um, to put half their proceeds to actually environmental sustainability. Like I think there's like a few companies that, you know, make these water bottles that are especially environmentally friendly that can like that are able to like be reused, et cetera. And so I think that, you know, capitalism in general is for profit and for financial incentives. But right now, I think a lot of companies are actually shifting towards gearing like ESGs in general, because we're kind of thinking about the future of our planet and no amount of money can make up for the fact that if the planet is in the midst of deteriorating, we're not going to be living anymore. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. I definitely agree with some part of it. However, I still don't think enough companies are actually taking the initiative to become more sustainable. And when I talk about big corporations, I'm talking about companies such as Amazon. And for example, even though they give some money away and donate some money to environmental friendly charities, the company as a whole still functions on the basis that they're not really environmental friendly. And without any incentive from the government, I think these 
it's hard for these big corporations to adopt such policies. So even though most people generally care about the earth and the climate, just big companies aren't willing to give up the amount of money they give just to sustain the planet. Okay, I think that's a good segue into the second question, which is kind of why are companies incorporating ESG? I feel like Emily and Ari definitely touch a lot about why companies would be uh, adverse to adopting uh, ESG. But I think particularly for social and governments, these two criteria, I feel like it would actually sometimes be for the benefit of the business to adopt. So I want to expand a bit on the uh, social criteria for ESG. So another definition or an expanded definition would be Social, the social criteria of ESG looks at how business interacts with the community it operates, right? So it's looking at the internal policies. It could be related to labor, diversity, or inclusion, among others. And so some examples of this would be diversity in workplace policies, labor standards, supply chain management, product safety, usefulness, customer privacy, and community impact. I feel like a lot of these factors would be beneficial for the business to adopt because um, these policies could keep or, or help them retain a lot of their employees and perhaps keeps their, keep their employees in a more safe and a good working environment, which would contribute towards the efficiency or the effectiveness of the con- company to produce their goods. And um, labor standards and supply chain management obviously would seek to um, obviously uh, make the governance of the company a lot more effective. And for the supply chain, obviously, it could lower their costs. So for the governance point, um, the governance points relates to internal practices and policies that led that lead to effective decision making and legal compliance. So I feel like the governance part is also beneficial for the company to adopt because um, I feel like it kind of puts the company in a better position in terms of their reputation, and also it forges a sense of trust uh, amongst their customers. So some examples of the governance criteria would be dealing with problems such as uh, political contributions and lobbying. It could be dealing with bribery and corruption policy and oversight. It could also be dealing with um, board structure, board compensation, and executive compensation. So I feel like a lot of these governance criteria could actually help the companies as you know they could... Um, make the reputation of a company and promote more transparency within the structure of the company, which would be in their interest to do both for their employees and potential investors. Yeah, I actually totally agree with you. Um, I think one of the big parts of this is also social media, like what we see on TikTok. Um, I think there's been trends of like sustainability, like that it girl lifestyle, etc. And a lot of the times um, social media can actually impact how companies do things because, you know, the younger generation, we're all on TikTok, we're all on Instagram, and we're seeing these things like portrayed and we kind of want to buy them. And so companies kind of shift their focus to what their consumers want. And I think a lot of consumers nowadays, they actually want companies that are less less like materialistic and more sustainable um and so like a big example i'd say is h&m h&m now has a sustainability factor and you know sector within their clothing line where you can just donate clothes and they would kind of like reproduce the clothes that you wore before and there's also this big trend of like thrifting and second you know, second um, clothes shopping. So I think that also really helps with companies truly defining their sustainability goals. Um, Furthermore, to add on to that, I think there's also big corporations, not just clothing corporations, but law firms that are actually taking action and practicing sustainability on which cases they want to represent, et cetera, because 
truly, I think that it comes from a consumer's wants and interests that the company is going to gear what they want towards consumers. And therefore, because of that, it's also related to investors and how investors look at companies. Um, And so, yeah, I think, Hector, you brought up a really amazing point. And that was like a really good discussion on ESGs and investors. Okay, and also as an expansion, how do you guys think um, ESG is related to investors then? Because obviously, you know, we, we talked about this from the company perspective, you know, why they would, why it would be in their benefit to incorporate ESG? What, what is the proposition for investors? I think it really depends on like which companies or like what causes the investors investing their money into. For example, the U.S. actually just recently passed a a federal law, the Inflation Reduction Act, which actually targets how uh, investors are investing so much money into who companies are not environmental friendly. So these investors are actually indirectly contributing to the so much environmental harm done, done on our planet today. And the government has actually already addressed this issue and tried to enforce policies that will counteract these. But on the other hand, investors can actually in, invest their money into more environmental friendly companies as well. So it works both ways. So I like how Ari brought up the Inflation Reduction Act. I think... Back to Hector's point about why, as an investor, you would want to invest in ESG companies is because when you're an investor, like all you think about is you want to make money, right? You want to invest in in, in stocks and companies that will potentially receive a lot of funding. And with these ESG companies, you know, the government is like Ari said, the Inflation Reduction Act. It's a two hundred eighty billion dollar or something like that 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 invest in these companies. So, you know, when a lot of money is pouring in into these companies, their stocks are going to go up. So as an investor, you want to put your money into these stocks. And I feel like another point that we can touch on is that um, for the investors, I felt like filtering, uh, investing in ESG companies or ESG uh, e- companies with an ESG policy is kind of a way to filter their portfolio. Um, I'll elaborate on this. So, I was talking about governance before. So some of the criteria for governance were uh, bribery, corruption, and things like that. So companies should seek to improve their governance through means of tackling these issues. For the investors, I feel like understanding and managing portfolio risks with strong governance and ethical companies is a good way to safeguard their investments. Because obviously, you don't want to invest in a company that's being charged by the SEC for cor- corrupt corruption or bribery. Right. So I feel like in this case, a com- it would also it would benefit investors to invest in companies with ESG policies. Another example could be um, companies with sustainability plans may be better prepared to meet long term investment goals. So as Emily was talking about in question one, um, there's no money to be made if the environment is ruined in the future. Right. So if investors are going to if, if if investors want to make long term investments or long term planning, right, they might want to invest in companies that are actively um, so dealing with carbon emissions, energy efficiency and the environment instead of companies who are opposed to that. I think what was really important that was brought upon was the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And for any of you that don't know, this is a landmark United States law which aims to curb inflation by reducing the deficit and lowering prescription drug prices and investing in domestic energy production while promoting clean energy. And it was passed by the 117th uh, U.S. Congress and also signed into law by President Joe Biden on August 16th of 2022. It is also a budget reconciliation bill sponsored by senators and the bill was a result of the negotiations on the proposed build back better act which reduced and comprehensively reworked its initial proposal um, that was introduced okay 
Okay, so for question three, we're going to be asking what role does the government play in enforcing and establishing ESG goals for big corporations? Brian? Yeah, so I'd like to talk about how the U.S. under Biden's administration is working towards sustainability. So I think Emily mentioned the Inflation Reduction Act. So part of the Inflation Reduction Act is actually their goal of becoming carbon neutral by 2050. So carbon neutral is a term that needs to be further explained. What it means by zero carbon emissions is that no carbon emissions will be emitted in the atmosphere so that it disbalances the the natural cycle. So under Biden's administration, there are two main ways I think he is cutting down on emissions. So it's the pushing of the production and consumption of electric cars, also transitioning to renewable energy, most specifically the solar and solar industry. So according to CNBC News on August 25th of this year, California bans the sale of new gas powered cars by 2035. Personally, I was pretty surprised to hear this news because of how much the car industry would need to be altered in such a small amount of time. It's around 12 years from now. So, you know, as of 2022, California has around 14 million vehicles registered, so of which most of them are gas-powered cars. So this sudden governmental law would, you know, force automotive companies to develop their electric car to electric car models, you know, many car manufacturers have already begun doing this, you know, they've came up with their electric product lines, you know, Porsche came up with their new Taycan, which is a fully electric vehicle. And there's also, you know, startups such as Lucid, Polestar, Fisker, and also Tesla. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian, for that amazing detail in terms of, you know, the new gas powered cars. For me in particular, I would kind of like to Uh, answer directly the question of what role does the government play in enforcing and establishing these ESG goals? For me, I'd say the government actually plays a very strong and consistent role. So there is a a particular role for the government in building strong and consistent ESG reporting within the jurisdiction across countries, sectors, industries, and government departments. And this all provides a framework so that these corporations can actually establish and follow because the government can take the action to raise the bar of the ESG performance by actually enacting rules or laws and they can also communicate what exactly they want these corporations to be doing. So I think the government is kind of like this big like figure like I don't know, mom and dad telling you, you can't or cannot do this. So the government really needs to take action within enforcing these ESG rules while list keeping the main value of capitalism without infringing too much upon people's freedom to, um, you know, kind of operate their own corporation. Okay, so now that we have discussed how companies are starting to incorporate ESG goals, we want to understand how countries are also doing this by enforcing economic policy. So Ari, what is your thoughts on this? Yeah, thank you for bringing us in. I think it's really important for us as like global citizens and especially students to be more aware of these broader economic policies that's shifting us more sustainably. And so basically, the climate change and environmental problems recently has posed such a great threat to modern society that nations around the world are trying to implement various types of policies, mostly economic, to shift their country toward a more environmental sustainable status. So according to the United Nations Development Policies, all governments are trying to 
uh, trying for more sustainable development. The most popular strategy for achieving these objectives is encouraging smaller companies and corporations to be more economically friendly through tax benefits, grants, and penalties for non-compliance. So federal, state, and county governments in the United States offer tax breaks and grants for businesses keen on sustainability. The The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency creates guidelines that manufacture must observe to control pollution. This is very important because it's, it offers a direct incentive for these corporations to comply with nationalized standards that will enforce a more sustainable cause. And more specifically, the strategy can be seen time and time again as governments are continuously manipulating corporate taxing policies as an incentive to push for different goals. It is very common and effective for governments to establish their influence all over these private corporations by doing such economic uh, regulations. This allows for government to establish standards to determine whether a company passes these qualifications for tax cut or not. For example, one of the standards could be a business investment in energy saving equipment. This includes solar, wind, or water energy sources. And by establishing such regulations, the government can not only determine whether a company is sustainable or not, but if it is, the government can actually like give them more taxing benefits as a result. Okay, so I think already focused a lot on how countries can give tax cuts in order for those companies to invest more into sustainable technologies. So what I'm trying to quote here is from the assistant professor of business economics and public policy called uh, Susanna Berkowar. And she gave out three different economic policies that countries need to adopt in order for, for us to sort of fight against climate change. So the first policy is to pass a carbon tax. A carbon tax, as the name suggests, is a tax placed on individual corporations for each ton of CO2 they emit. So businesses will be incentivized to sort of switch to green energy or develop sustainable technology because of this tax. And the second policy that that the government should do in order for this switch is that they should give out loans for small companies. And I think Ari already touched on this in his earlier point. And finally, the third economic policy is, is that when you're sort of shifting the entire economy towards a more green initiative, you're going to have a lot of people lose their jobs. So it's important to to make sure you compensate for these people or even set up like a universal welfare program so that people can continue to live their normal lives despite this this entire economic shift. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially because most of the uh, countries in the world is currently under like a capitalistic society. There's no way for government to like actually force corporations to do something so using tax cut as a a potential incentive could be a great cause okay so bring this back to kind of a student perspective how do you guys think students can promote or implement social impact in perhaps some of their activities or clubs or initiatives i mean obviously esg relates to the company so i mean obviously from our from our previous episodes we know that some students do form their own companies but in general how do you guys think students can implement social impact or adopt social impact Mm, That's a really good question. So I think that students, we can start small, right? Just doing like the basic things like we can't ignore, like closing the lights when you're out of the house or turning off the AC. I think that's what students can like do best to help their families in terms of like being more sustainable. But in terms of like a broader perspective, like clubs and such like that, I think students can do a lot. And, um, 
I think, Brian, you maybe had some things to add about clubs or social impact or Hector. Would you guys like to jump in for that? Sure. So uh, I would like to bring up some of the, I think for our, a lot of students in our school, or we do this, I don't think I should specifically point out anything, but there is a, a climate change initiative in our school that students founded that um, go around and basically they, they, they improve the environment through climate action and spreading climate awareness. So some of the activities that they did were, for example, planting trees. And I feel like this is a great example of how students um, can, sh can, can take advantage of social impact and take opportunities to kind of implement this in their activities. Yeah, and yeah. I think another advantage with students is that they, their imagination is like more broad and using the resources that like each individual school offers, there's less, for example, strict regulations of the government. Like students could do whatever they want and they can use the educational resources such as like school as a way to like plat as a platform for their initiative. And that could like be really helpful if they're uh, starting a club, for example, as Hector talked about starting like an environmental club that would help combat climate change and such issues. So I think in general, when talking about in a student perspective, they have a lot of power that's different from like the adults in starting big companies and corporations. Yeah, thank you so much for um, talking about that. I think one really important thing we kind of need to understand is sometimes it doesn't have to be super big, right, as students. You know, we don't have to start like a very big organization to make a very positive impact in our community. Instead, we can actually do steps, incremental steps by change, like volunteering with an organization that you passionately believe in. Like I believe in our school, we have an organization that regularly picks trash from the beach. Um, or volunteering your time with organizations that actually allow, you know, ESGs to kind of continue to grow. And to add upon this, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about using your consumer rights. So in our school for one of our film classes, we're actually collaborating with an organization that is planning to have cage-free eggs by 2025. And even this cage-free eggs, that kind of relates to social impact because we are promoting the ESG rights for animals. And so I think any business knows that buyers have the power. And students, we are the next generation. We are basically the generation that has the most power. And more and more of us are getting educated about these issues, whether that be from you know, social media platforms in our classrooms. We know the importance of social impact ESG and actually doing things for our climate and our environment because we are going to be us and our kids are going to be the ones who actually live through the negative impacts of the earth that is already happening. So use your wallet wisely and buy from places that are sustainable or support ESG goals. And that's a big way you can show that you have the power to make these companies change. Brian, do you want to add on to a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Emily, I think you mentioned education. So as a student, your most sort of the, your, your best asset is really your education. You know, starting young, you're able to understand, you know, how, 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 what, the, what is ESG, you know, like, what is, what are products that are eco-friendly? You know, what are government policies that are eco-friendly? And eventually, when you grow up, you know, you're, you learn to sort of vote for vote for candidates who support ESG goals or even just you know vote invest in companies that that go for ESG goals so all in all I think as a student you know it's important to keep on learning to keep on being updated on how our world is changing 
That's it for episode seven. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today with the Buffett Bunch on our discussion about social impact and some of its applications to society, to business, and to students. And remember to follow our podcast and tune in on our next episode.